Hi, my name is Adam. Hi, my name is Johnny. And, and we've, we've never, never seen Moonstruck. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. The podcast where we show someone, anyone, friend, family, foe, a movie they've never seen before. We're going to get more foes on here. Yeah, we got <laughs> mortal enemies. I'm going to make you watch Planet of the Apes and then kill you. Um, we show them a movie they've never seen before that one of us feels strongly they should have. And I am joined, as always, by Adam and Johnny, as you heard up top. We are watching... 1987's Moonstruck. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Hi, Bridget. Hi. Hi. You didn't say your name again. Oh, hi. I'm Bridget. <laughs> I'm the, I'm like Madonna. You yeah. know me by my voice now. Um, so, welcome. How are you both feeling? Okay. 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 Yeah. All right. Ready for this? Because you, you've spoken highly of it in terms of wanting us to watch it, so. I do. I am... Very excited to be watching this with you both. I'm interested to see what you both will think of it. Um, it is pretty universally beloved movie, but it makes sense. I think that neither of you have seen it. Um, you know, it's right in the romantic comedy scene. Um, Adam, we talked a little bit on the Sleepless in Seattle episode mm -hmm. about your background. Johnny... How do you feel about a rom-com? <laughs> Settle in. Yeah, I'm settling in. I don't know if you heard this, the chair uh, crack right there. Adjusted. Um, impartial? I don't know. I I can't think of any off the top of my head that like I go back and visit to. I know. I don't know if you would call it like a rom-com, but like I think one recently that I really enjoyed, and maybe more so just the way the structure of it, I liked 500 Days of Summer. I don't know okay. if you called it a rom-com, but yeah. I enjoyed that. I feel like there was like an influx of rom-coms where they're like, let's get every star in this, and it's like the poster looks like a checkerboard, and it just has like millions of names and, oh, and photos. Valentine's Day, Day, New Year's Correct, Day. Correct, yeah. Mother's yeah. Day. Mother's Day, yeah. So like, pass on those. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Get out of here, Penny Marshall, Gary Marshall. Um, One of the Marshalls was involved in that, in the at least in the start of it, I believe, before it ran I, off the rails. I think Gary might was involved with Valentine's Day. Yeah, and it was like a big like Julia's back with Gary yeah. situation. Get ready, <laughs> steal yourself. But I think I've so I've seen like like the no strings attached and the some of those other ones. I've mm -hmm. seen like the Brittany Murphy one where she's with Ashton Kutcher as well. I don't know. Rom coms, they're a little light and airy for me mm -hmm. and whenever the dramatic element hits in the movie, because it always does in the third act, it always feels forced and never feels fair, like really earned. That's why I kinda like Five Hundred Days of Summer, because it was kind of melodramatic mm -hmm. in tone. And it treated, like, relationships, like, seriously and realistically. Because I feel like sometimes rom-coms are a little lampoonish in nature. Yeah. And they're kind of making fun of love throughout the movie. And not really, like, having a serious but sort of funny 
conversation about. I don't know. If you, do you know what I mean? No, I know what you mean. It can it can veer into slapstick as a way to I think unleash the pressure valve a little bit. Yes, it's like well, like like you know, oh honey, that's like me and you on the screen yeah. in the kitchen arguing. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's, I think it's a lot of like set up for things to be relatable for couples. And again, a lot of the time it is sort of uh, couples going to see these movies. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to like shank them, be like, "This is the the worst parts of relationships." No, they're gonna show the fun sort of missteps and shit that happens, and it's gonna be light and airy and make you feel happy at the end of the movie, opposed to where again, like a Five Hundred Days of Summer or you know, going even worse, like a Blue Valentine, which is not a rom com, but like really on the end, on the end of things is that uh, you leave the theater like, "Ooh, I don't know if we should be together." Like, <laughs> Right. What do you guys know about Moonstruck? 87, rom-com, whatever you said at the top. Okay. <laughs> how about, Adam, how about you? Uh, so I know the stars. Um, the the big one, the female lead. Is this her first role? No, it is not. Okay. She had been in other things. She had been Oscar nominated prior this to this okay. for Silkwood. But she went into this not believing it was going to go anywhere. She and her co-star actually talked about this is going to be a big flop. Norman Jewison, the director, was the one who was actually really pushing and being saying, this is going to be successful. You guys are going to both win Oscars. Get ready. Okay. Um, which, in fact, they do. Okay. So. Yeah. So I, I, I knew this was an early role for her, and she doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of them. I don't want to spoil it, Johnny, if you want to go in completely. No, cold. that's fine. I like this approach. I'd rather just, like, okay. not, like, stop learning about the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I know the male lead, and I'm interested to see, because I don't think I've ever seen anything with him in this type of movie before. I know there's a couple. There's a couple. But, um, but I have not seen either of them. Uh, I'm more used to the more action oriented and more out there crazy oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously some of his antics in the in regular life, I'm more familiar with that than I am his film work because I don't think I've seen a lot of his movies anyway. Uh, so maybe we'll have John guess what he thinks he's doing. <laughs> yeah. It looks like you're struggling not to um, say certain things. Yeah, so I, I'm more familiar with, I think, his antics and a lot of his newer work, which gets gar- you know, garnered for his antics and kind of what they what they are. Yeah. Um, then some of his older work, which I'm not at all familiar with. So I'll be interested to see him in a rom-com format mm-hmm. uh, because I don't, I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't... I don't, I mean, he's been married, so obviously he's, he can fall he, in love. He can experience love. Yeah, several times. Um, but I don't believe it. Like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't. That's not a knock against the man. I, it's just, that's not what I'm used to seeing him portray. So it'll be very interesting uh, to see that. And then uh, you mentioned Norman Jewison, who I did know because we had brought this movie up when we talked about In the Heat of the Night. Yes. You gotta sing it musically. Because he directed that as well. So um, we saw that obviously not too long ago. So I think this will be an interesting pivot from what the one work that we saw of his on this show to something wildly different, I'd imagine, in in Moonstruck. But that's about it. I don't know what if they're if this is a friends and then they get together. If this is a 
meet cute if this is i'm gonna stalk you for 90 minutes and then we're gonna meet at the empire still i don't know what we're <laughs> i don't know what we're in for here um wow it's so delightful to me because i my own personal relationship with this movie there are some scenes that to me feel very iconic that i knew of outside of the context of the film itself and just to have you guys really be such blank slates is so exciting. I hope you like it. Now I'm a little scared. But I think <laughs> this movie has something for everyone to like and enjoy. Okay. Even if you're not necessarily a rom-com person, you're not into these sort of tr like traditional rom-com storylines, there's stuff happening that I think you'll enjoy. Now, we talked about this with the Sleepless in Seattle episode, our mm -hmm. first rom-com uh, episode of the show, where my big problem with a lot of rom-coms, they feel very formulaic. And then mm -hmm. Sleepless in Seattle is very not formulaic because the couple doesn't get together until the very end and they don't even know each other through the majority of the movie. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, and feel free to not answer if it's too spoilery, but do you feel like this has a lot of tropes and feels has some of that formula? Or is this kind of its wholly own thing, like how that was? This feels more like wholly its own thing. I think there are things that might feel tropey to you because I would say this movie is hugely influential mm -hmm. and there's so much about it that is like lightning in a bottle and I can see, you know, filmmakers go on to try to capture some of that, but it is not it doesn't follow a traditional rom-com formula okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's very atraditional. Um, which is why it's been so successful. But it is still, you kind of get the beats. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's follow up yeah. when well, we finish it. After. Okay, yeah. cool. Now you talked about this being a, a movie that you really enjoy. What's your kind of history with it? When did you first see it? Who showed it to you? Was it something you saw on your own? This is something I sought out on my own. This was during my 1001 Movies to See Before okay. You Die post-it note period in high school and it must have shown up on demand for free i probably watched it at midnight when my parents had gone to bed just like this is something to do and probably watched it again the next day i was just so in love with the movie the story the 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 feel of it and I go back to it pretty frequently. It's a good comfort watch. It's up there like Birdcage, um, Empire Strikes Back. I don't feel good. <laughs> I'm just going to let me throw one of these three movies on. And I know I don't have to pay attention to it. I can pop up, know exactly where I am, laugh, feel good no matter what. Now, John, hearing that this movie goes in league with The Birdcage and The Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> what are your expectations? I, I might be setting it up too much, but no. that's just sort of, that's been my relationship yeah. to it. Um, I love both of those movies. <laughs> so what are your expectations knowing this uh, belongs in that pantheon? Uh, sky high. Like, like moon, moon level high. Yeah. No, I... Uh... Bridget always recommends some good stuff on the show, so I feel... Like a net. Yeah. Like a net. It's your one swing and a miss. Everyone's allowed. Yeah, everyone's allowed. Three. Three. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so, I don't really have any expectations, really. I don't... Well, even just, like, knowing how you feel about rom-coms, typically, is this something where you're going in a little trepidatious, because you're 
worried that it might hit like a oh naturally no strings attached or a leap year or whatever it's you know any of those movies yeah naturally but i think just because i don't know who's in it and the fact you mentioned this person or persons typically aren't in this space Mm -hmm. that that excites me a little bit because i sometimes enjoy performances and other things in a movie that i wouldn't to typically enjoy yeah but I'll come away saying I enjoyed spending 90 minutes with this person. Okay. It's 90 minutes, right? It's a, it should be 90 minutes. <laughs> okay. It's close to a perfect movie, so yeah. it's one closer hour, to 90. One hour 42. There we okay. go. So, perfect. Right in the sweet spot for a school night movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm going in as neutral as possible, clearing my head, um, and not going in with too many uh, reservations or expectations. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Adam? Um, yeah, like I said, I'm intrigued because I, I don't think I've seen any of her movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... We can correct that. Can we? Oh, I'll start adding some to the list. Oh, oh uh, yeah. I thought you meant like, no, oh. you have. I'm going to correct you, but I don't want to yeah. say Oh, no, 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 no. Um, like, we can... <laughs> we'll fix that over like, the course of... I was like, wait, she in some seminal classic that I absolutely adore that you know about and we've talked about? It's a think... secret cameo. Yeah. I I'll like Glenn Close and Hook. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, it's like, I've never seen Glenn Close and You've seen Hook. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't... I don't think I've seen any of hers. I know of several, but obviously she's, she's known for... Things besides her acting, mm-hmm. so I'm interested to see what her performance is like. Because obviously, you said Academy Award winning, so I know that she is a capable actress, even though I've never seen her work. Uh, and I'm excited to see him because, again, not really familiar with this kind of of role for him. So this will be interesting. Um, and then, yeah, I just I hope that it's its own thing. It's less tropey. Uh, that was one of the things that Sleepless had going for it. I'm going to try not to overanalyze this one so I don't get yelled at by my mother, who did not like my take on Sleepless in Seattle. It's a movie about a stalker. Because uh, it's just supposed to be a cute love story. That's what she told me. So I'm going to try to be a little bit more uh, lax on the criticism. Unless it's just off the wall horrible. But I don't think that would be the case. So, yeah, I'm just excited to see what kind of movie it, it can be, knowing that it still falls within the parameters of a, of a rom-com. Is there anything about this viewing with us that you're excited about, or are you just going to be side-eyeing us to see how we're feeling? Um, there'll, there'll be a bit of that, but, you know, this is a movie that is feels foundational to me, so having you both experience it as very blank slates and see what your impressions of it will be interesting, no matter what they are. That's what I'm excited for. Cool. But I do think you'll like it. All right. What do you gentlemen have to say for yourselves? Fine. Fine. I'll I'll watch watch it. Much wine, that's some more. 
Bells will ring, tingle-ling-a-ling, tingle-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing Vita Bella. Hearts will play, tippy-tippy-tay, tippy-tippy-tay, like a guitar and When the stars make you drool, just like a pastefazool at Samore. When you dance down the street with a clouded your feet, you're in love. All right, we are back. We just finished Moonstruck. Gentlemen, I'm a little scared. How do you feel? <laughs> To quote someone in this movie, uh, I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) And to quote another line that came fairly next to that was, so what are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Which was basically my sentiment most of this movie. Fair. Adam? Uh, It's okay. All right. It's... uh... It, it's it's a weird it's a weird movie. It's a weird movie. It, it's like three different movies, and I don't know that it all comes together. And it just it just ends, like a very abruptly, uh, and it's wacky in a way I didn't expect. No, it's very zany. Um, and I wasn't really on board for most of it. I didn't really, I didn't really like a lot of the storylines per mm-hmm. se. But the characters are nice. Like I, the mom's great. Like the the banter yeah. and like the old Italian bickering is fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I don't know that I got on this movie's wavelength. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even when I was like kind of feeling it out at the beginning, uh, the main actor came in and I, it lost me. Yeah, <laughs> like his his introduction uh, just completely derailed things. So yeah, <laughs> the proceedings a little bit and it. it it was a, an uphill battle from that point on. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the characters are interesting. Um, I think technically this movie is bad on a technical level. Okay. Okay. I think almost everything across the board from like the editing to the blocking to just the way they shot, like everything just stuck out to me as like wrong. Mm. I just think... There's so much fat on this movie. Like, shots linger way too long and moments and feelings linger way too long. And it just meanders. I the, the, In the script, I don't know what's going on with the script. <laughs> it won an Oscar. The script For... did? The script did. Best screenplay. Hold on. What year yeah, was this? That, like, been, it probably would have been 87 because it comes out January 87. It might have done early previews in '86. Oh, All right, let's see. Uh, no, it was the the 60th annual Academy Awards in 1988. Okay. Would you say it was for best original screenplay? Mm-hmm. I need to see what else what it was up against. Give me one second. Bear with us, folks. Yeah. This will all get cut out. <laughs> I cannot believe that. That's why. Yeah. Well, yeah. Neither <laughs> can I. Hard stop. The screenplay directly for screen. So it was up against broadcast news. Uh, uh, not which, which not watched, a good year for, which we watched for you guys. And didn't, didn't appreciate. Uh, Au revoir, les enfants. 
Never heard of it. Hope and Glory and Radio Days. So, Slim Pickens in 1987 <laughs> from the looks of it. <laughs> Regardless, bewildered it won. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know what it kept reminding me? This movie kept reminding me of what I think is a better movie in a rom-com area mm-hmm. that also tackles a very traditional family dynamic, which is my Big Fat Greek Wedding. I was going to, yeah. I, every time I thought of like, oh, Big Fat Greek Wedding did that way better, like mm. moment after moment. So this is like the prototype essentially for you. Correct, for me, yeah. Um, and I enjoy all of that stuff, but I just think it didn't, I, I it like over-exaggerated it, it made fun of it a lot more than I think it's, like, I don't know, Big Fat Greek Wedding did it a little better, I think. Mm. Um, I like, like, all the food and everything is great. Yeah, like, yeah mul- I, got, I need an Italian restaurant, like, right now. Right, right. <laughs> like, the Mulberry Street stuff or whatever, I don't even know if they were, I think maybe they were in Brooklyn, I'm not sure where they were. Yeah, they're, I think that's Brooklyn, what you said. Yeah. But... But think about that breakfast. Oh, that yeah, egg. fantastic. With the roasted red peppers on the side, side. or whatever. Yeah. Outrageous. Thrown right on top when it's done cooking. Yeah. yeah. You know, the minestrone and the bread, all of it. The medium rare steak. Yeah, it's a lot of drinking going on in the movie. A lot of wine and mm-hmm. tall glasses of vodka. Yeah. I want to live in the neighborhood. Right. I don't necessarily want to interact with the people. <laughs> you don't want to hang out with the Castorinis? Some of them. Some of them? Who, which of them do you want to hang out with? The grandpa? The grandpa seems like a, a cut up. His <laughs> his line at the end where he's crying because like, the whole movie's coming together and he's like, Papa, you okay? He's like, I'm confused. <laughs> Me too, grandpa. Yeah. Me too. Biggest relation I had with that movie. Was yeah. Uh, him and his six or seven dogs where he's feeding them like a quarter of a meatball each that he sneaks from dinner. Uh, I love the line when he feeds the, the food to the dogs and then he goes back to give them seconds, and the, the mom is like, if you, I swear to God, if you feed those dogs one more bite of my food, I'm going to slap you upside down. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, you feed my food to your dogs again, I'll kick you till you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the mom's great, the grandpa's great, the dad's got some funny lines, but ultimately he's a big piece of shit. Yeah, he is. Uh, and then Loretta's just exists? I don't know, I just... Tell me she's not she's not from New York, is she? Who, Cher? Yeah. No. Okay, no. yeah. All the accents in the movie are like bad. They're hers like, especially. Hers especially is really bad. Really, me. yeah, exactly. Because it goes in and out. It's not consistent. Yeah, but yeah I just I, I kept thinking during this movie, like everyone's talking really weird. <laughs> I know what they're trying to do, but it's really weird. Yeah. It, listen, the Brooklyn in the eighties was a very different time. Oh, the hair. The hair. Wild. <laughs> Every single person. I just started staring at everyone's hair throughout the movie. Olympia Dukakis, Cher, Danny Aiello also has a crazy hair situation. Nicolas Cage has a crazy hair situation. And then he's... Crazy body hair situation. Yeah. The guy that like cat called her like right out of the salon <laughs> had the craziest hair. Yeah. It was like a mullet, but it was it shaved was, on the side. It was very flock of seagulls. Oh, total flock it, of seagulls. It didn't have the pump in the front, but yeah. You just had to go that part out yeah, yeah, some sort of tears for fear situation. Yeah. But... There's only one or two seagulls, not a full flock. Exactly. <laughs> I just... The, what is the plot of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I get, like, they're trying... Like, okay, he leaves and she falls in love with another guy. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. 
but there's no like tension that he's like coming back or like I I don't know. The movie yeah. just is. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's much more meditative than it is plot driven, which I think makes it very different than your traditional rom com, yeah. which is very driven by oh shit, what if we kiss in the movie? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when are we going to sort of see these steps and sort of actualize into this relationship and this happy ending? And this movie is very much just kind of about moments and snapshots in time. And you have the different characters bouncing off of each other, their different relationships. And then the big ending is not, you know, the couple coming together, but the family coming together. Right. The family was already together, though. That's the weird part. Is that like, they make it seem like when everyone comes into the kitchen there, that it's like, oh, the, like we're mending fences, we're bringing everything together, and it's like, well, no, the, you know, the sister-in-law and the parents, like they all live together in the house or hang out all the time, like there, there's no problem there, and these two estranged brothers, and I don't really like either of them. Yeah. Now they're fixed, kind of, but not really because they're still pretty mad at each other. I mean, it gives the ring, but like. It seemed more that he was shocked, like, what? My ex-fiance, who I just dumped in front of him, is going to get married to my brother, who I don't like? He's in the family portrait, he's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, he gets over it, obviously, but... I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah, but the, you know, uh, Rose and Cosmo are, like, on the brink of separating at the beginning of the movie. Like, he's yeah. actively carrying on a, another relationship, she's entertaining one. Um... They're thinking about selling the house because Loretta's going to move out. She's going to go stay with this, make this choice that's not right for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's now all these pieces are kind of coming together and all the wrongs that were occurring have now been righted. Yeah, it's just it was so abrupt in the writing of them that I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're just, uh, she's just like, don't see that girl. He's like, okay. And they're like, all right, cool. We love each other again. Awesome. That's settled. <laughs> but it's not we're like done now. really that because like it's they finally have a conversation of he admits, you know, I have like you reach a point in your life where you realize your life is built on nothing. And he has saying, this is why I've done this thing. And isn't this so sad? Poor me. And she gets to have that moment where she can directly speak to him and say, you're so full of shit. Our yeah. life is not built on nothing. And he kind of has like a, all right, it's still shaky, but it's yeah, it's no, better like, than, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, no, it was a nice line. It shows some growth on his part, at yeah. the very least. But it still was just like, that's it? Like, he's over here having an affair, and you're just like, all right, I've told you what's what. And now it's peachy. Like, <laughs> gather around the camera. <laughs> We're taking a photo. Like, it just all seemed really abrupt in that in that moment. And... Just the whole culmination of like, I can't marry you because my mother will die. That doesn't make any sense. She just, she wants to live to see you get married. If you don't marry her, she's going to die. That's the wrong takeaway. <laughs> you yeah. did the wrong thing. But he's wrong. He's yeah. a dumb, he's a baby. He's leaving his suitcases. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's true. The first time I thought he's like. He's a fool. <laughs> oh, he's expecting the cab guy to get it because the cab guy would get it because that's like the nice thing they do at the airport. The second and third time, I was like, oh, this guy's a moron. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is so superstitious in this movie. Yeah. Like, overly so. Yeah. You know who it's I fun. love, speaking of superstitions? <laughs> it's fun. The old lady at the airport who cursed that plane. 
Oh, that yeah. lady's awesome. <laughs> you want to talk about old Italian a, ladies. Put a curse on that plane. Yeah. I hope it explodes. I honestly thought when the older couple, I honestly thought when the older couple came back towards the end of the movie in that scene, uh, that they were just gonna have, oh, we heard Johnny got hit by a bus or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That he died, and it's like, okay, that just ties a bow on the whole thing. We don't yeah. have to worry about Johnny finding out. Let's get married, Ronnie. Yeah. yeah. Like I was waiting for that to happen. I'm like, this movie will do that. Even that conflict where they're like, do you have something to tell us? We came from the bank. She's like, oh, I have your money. And they're like, oh, well, then everything's fine. We're all set. It's like, what? wait, why did we just do that? Like, we fun. watched her not go to the bank. <laughs> I mean, I get, were we supposed to believe that she took that money and then bought the shoes and the sexy dress and, like, the opera stuff and the blowout? Like, was that the, were we supposed to, as the audience, be like, oh, did she spend their money? Because I just thought she was aloof and forgot I, I just about forgot it. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's intended for the audience to go she stole it but just to be you know give us another reason to have someone else on the stage too yeah be like so what's going on make it so that way the doorbell could be just another it's a fake out for the doorbell yeah okay fair enough (laughs) but yeah and i just ultimately i didn't connect with any of the storylines and the main characters kind of insufferable (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, so we didn't Fair talk enough. about this in the beforehand Johnny because I didn't want to give away yeah. the stars of this but we have Cher and Nicolas Cage what do you what'd you think it makes sense in the scheme of things because the movie is bizarre yeah. <laughs> it, the matchup is bizarre I just never would have imagined <laughs> how, yeah. co- how dare could you yeah <laughs> And, and, then, and, then, and, then, and then execute that plan. <laughs> the gall of that man. The gall. Yeah. Um, I don't care for Cher. I just don't. And Nicolas Cage is leave or take for me. Like, I enjoy some of his stuff. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, Con Air's great. Some of the action ones, like you mentioned. Well, you didn't mention any of those, but yeah. you said, you said action-oriented. Yeah, yeah. And in the zany stuff, like uh, like the Matchstick Men and some other ones that he's in, I enjoyed. But... Yeah, and his newer stuff where it's like Five Nights at Freddy's and Pig and whatever that new one is. The, the right, but I am not on that wavelength. <laughs> and the fact that there's such an, a mania about it now. Yeah. Maybe just hurt this movie a little bit for me, too. It's like, I don't know. I just, I'm not on that wavelength. Yeah. Well, and he's become almost a caricature mm-hmm. of well, himself. Right. In... Just, there's a movie... Where yeah. he plays himself about himself. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it definitely clouds maybe older things. But I like I've never seen Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. Oh right, which is other his other big one. So, yeah, this was uh, this was new a new experience for me, and I don't I don't think I'll <laughs> seek out any more of his. Had you seen any other share movies before? No, no, <laughs> no. I've seen her no. concert because I worked it, but that's about it. <laughs> She had like a million fucking wardrobe changes throughout the show. That makes sense. Yeah. Get a blowout in between. Take the grays out. Yeah. How was her hair at the show? Uh, it changed a lot. It wasn't yeah. even her hair. It was just yeah. wigs. Wigs. Yeah. Wigs upon wigs. Beautiful. Um, That's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Surprised we didn't get a number from her in this movie. No, she wasn't really doing the music at this point, really. I'm trying to think when... 
like turn back time would have been. I feel like it's around this time, if not maybe, early nineties. Yeah. yeah. So still doing it, but not she's not doing it where she has to force it like it force it into a movie where it's like you know how like Will Smith has to write the theme to the movies he was yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking I was thinking she'd be like, you know, singing the opera like around her apartment like she fell in love uh, with the yeah. opera too or something. But like they would pigeonhole some sort of opportunity mm-hmm. to hear those pipes. Yeah, sing along in the car yeah. or right. you know, on the bus or whatever. They go to karaoke for one of their dates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, her accent fucking killed me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it did go in and out a lot. I mean, I think she did a good enough job with the material. Yeah. I love the, like, the single tear at the opera, you know, because it was sad, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know anything about La Boheme. <laughs> um, other than, I guess, the woman has TB and dies. So, thanks for spoiling that, Moonstruck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I thought she was fine. It's like, And, again, I don't think I've seen any of her other acting work. So, this this wasn't enough to put me off of of her because I don't think any of the things I don't like about this are her fault per se. Right. I mean, it could be the accent could be (laughs) specifically, but the choices and the characterizations I think are more the script and the direction than her acting. So I don't want to necessarily be like, no, I'm never seeing a share movie or never seeing a Nick Cage movie ever again because of this. Right. No, it didn't kill it for me, but um, I'm just thinking like, what was the pitch for this movie? Like, was it just completely let's turn like that's a moray into a movie like what is, how does the moon play into this movie like in a way that there's a weird obsession with the moon there's a weird obsession with the moon i don't know the uncle who just like has the weird dream about that time he saw his brother-in-law in the street during a really bright moon and he thought it was car lights and then he does he looks at it again like i that whole section of of moon talk <laughs> was was very odd and I, I was like, um, I, is this gonna, is this gonna matter? Like, can I zone out for this? Is this, <laughs> is this gonna be on the test? <laughs> yeah. So the moon part of this movie was weird for me. So the movie was originally titled "The Bride and the Wolf." That was um, the screenwriter's original name, and the director came in and said, "No way. That's that's too. That's like a bodice ripper. That's like." A horror movie, like we can't call like, the movie like Beauty that. And the Beast but you have, or yeah, but you have references to the moon throughout the script. We're gonna call it Moonstruck, sort of as this sort of old reference to essentially lunatics, people who are driven crazy by the sight of the moon, and sort of there's this theme of you know, yeah. real love, true passion makes you an absolute maniac and makes you do stupid things, whether it's date your students. Sleep with your fiance's brother. Think your future brother-in-law has brought the moon to your house. All of those things. <laughs> As an affront to you, you while you're and sleeping. And a personal right, affront, right. yes. <laughs> okay, I mean, I get it from that standpoint then. I don't know that I would have liked The Bride and the Wolf any better. I think yeah. it's too on the nose given the multiple you're a wolf conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, Moonstruck's pretty on the nose it's too. It's so on so. the nose, yeah. Yeah. Because it is sort of subtle at the beginning of the movie, and then there's like, now we get to like the moon sequence of the movie yeah. where it's like, I, I don't know if you needed that. You'll spread the moon stuff out, I think. Because then at one point, like every character is just like, I'm sorry, you can't he- see that, guys, but I just tilted my head up and yeah. looked up. He looked like, at the moon. Yeah. 
But yeah, because the the uncle looks at the moon, then makes love to his wife under the moon, and then Cher looks at the moon after she's uh, hooked up with Nick Cage, and then they look at the moon together. The dogs look at the moon. The dogs howl at the moon, which is a great sequence of just the old man being like, "Come on, come on, I howl at the moon!" Oh, oh, oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was dead on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that guy's a hoot. Yeah, Olympia Dukakis looks at the moon and is sad. Mm. I think she's probably my favorite character. Yeah, she's the strongest performer. Yeah. Um, and she does also win an Oscar. Yes, I did see that. I agree with that one. No arguments from me yeah. there. Um, yeah, yeah, she, I think she has the best kind of arc is just this person who's just kind of being left alone by all these nut jobs around her. Uh, and she, she, means, she remains steadfast and resolved and true to herself, which is what she tells Frazier's dad of like, I know who I am. Like, yeah. I, that's why I'm not inviting you up because I'm married and I know who I am and what I want and it's not you. Get out of my face, you boy. Yeah. You weird I'm man too boy. Too old for you. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I like her the best and I like her character the best too because she's just like not putting up with anything, just head in her hands like, you got a love mark on your neck. Just, would you put some makeup on it? Yeah. <laughs> it's going down the toilet. Yeah. Had enough of all of you. And she's the one that I think does the balance of... The the movie is zany. It's very weird. The characters make off-the-wall choices. The things they say are off-the-wall. But she manages to be kind of balanced in that mm-hmm. you can see... Okay, this is like a person I could actually meet. It seems realistic coming from her. Like, oh, this is just who this person is. Yeah. Yeah, and I... I don't. I I liked the question of why do men chase women. I don't know that I needed it from the two different people to answer it. I would have liked a better answer maybe from Fraser's dad. And then when Johnny comes home and he answers it, and she's like, "That's it. That's the answer. Thank you. Good night. Get out of my house." Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, that was weird. You just okay. All right, we're moving on from that now, and it never comes up again. Like, I think the speech at the end would have been more impactful if she asks. The husband, like, why are you chasing women? Like, why are you doing it? Yeah. You know, to bring that back around to the characters that were meant to care or pay attention to or asking Cher that question of like, okay, why do women chase men? Or why are you chasing men? Like, why why the chase? What's going on? Yeah. And get that perspective from people within the story as opposed to, like, Johnny's not really in the story. He's just there to make her unavailable at the beginning. And then... Frazier's dad is in the story. He just takes students to that one same restaurant and gets drinks thrown in his face. This <laughs> is glutton for punishment, I guess. But I would have liked to see that kind of come back into the main core group to make that a more impactful question. Since it's yeah. like, it's her big mystery of yeah. the movie. Yeah. And it, I think, drives the movie too. It's like, mm. why do why do men and women chase each other? Yeah. Because it's not just the men. Like, Cher is clearly chasing... Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to follow up. She doesn't have to go to the restaurant. She doesn't have to go upstairs with him. She doesn't have to sleep with him. She keeps coming back for more yeah. and calling it bad luck. Yeah. I mean, she's conflicted about it. This is someone who's been very closed off to it. Mm-hmm. You know, very serious up until the point that we meet her in the movie, pretty much. Yeah. Is when her world gets flipped upside down. Yeah, even then when they were like when they were having dinner at the very beginning, like I didn't believe they were in a relationship. I thought they were just friends. Because <laughs> <laughs> like she's curmudgeonly at the flower shop, 
Yeah. Where she's just like, who gives a woman a rose? That's so stupid. Roses could go in the trash. What are you buying flowers for? That's stupid. And then she gets one. She's like, ooh. Yeah. But like that made it seem like she's she's just a spinster. She's like, eh, relationships, they're not for me. My husband got hit by a bus. Uh, <laughs> it was bad luck. We didn't get married in a church. And so then when they're having dinner, I'm like, oh, that's nice. She's she's out with her male friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's cute. They're just having a friend dinner. Yeah. Okay. And then the proposal happened. I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Yeah. <laughs> Does this movie have like the status of cult? Like, do people call this like a cult movie? No, because this is, is, yeah, this is universally acclaimed. Yeah. This is not. This is not like a cult it. movie. Yeah. Okay. What is it like? What is it on Rotten Tomatoes? I uh, think it's like an eighty-seven, possibly a ninety. Yeah, I mean, like, it cost $15 million, it made 122 so, like, it made wow. a bunch of money. Yeah, I don't, this is, this is just a universally praised, everybody talks about it. This is wild. <laughs> 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, critics' consensus, led by energetic performances from Nicolas Cage and Cher, Moonstruck is an exuberantly funny tribute to love in one of the decade's most appealing comedies. I'm floored, guys. <laughs> Listen, I towards the end when we get to that scene and everything's coming together and I start realizing what this movie is, um, and one starting to because I'd like to obviously hear from you, Bridget, at some yeah. point why you just adore this movie. Mm-hmm. And again, everyone has opinions, each his own, what have you. And I was like, oh, Bridget probably just loves this because it's so zany and bizarre, and you know, it's it's mm-hmm. like an under the radar type of movie. But the fact that it's on radar and like universally acclaimed is wild to me. Yeah. I like there's I think you do get a little bit more payoff like on rewatch. You start to pay attention to what each actor is doing in their performance. There are these little things that you might not pick up on and just funny weird choices and some of the choices are not what they should be but it's it's fun and it's goofy and then you end up at the dinner scene and it's just so it's i don't know it's perfect for me i wouldn't change anything knowing that there are things that you could look at and be like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) i'm like great more please right because i think what the movie's doing like or what it's trying to do it the result for like the audience is like unintentional like, all the stuff with, like, the wooden hand and everything. Like, that's all, like... <laughs> yeah, we didn't even touch we didn't on get to the, We didn't get to the hand. We've got another prosthetic hand. That's three in, in a row. That's three, three in a row. That's, that's three in a row. Is it three in a row? Yeah. This is missing hand Oh, yeah. Missing... <laughs> Holy shit. Wait a minute. We just stumbled on a... On Wait, a what hand was missing... Last week, wait. Hook, hook. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my the God. The titular missing hand. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Yes. So. Yeah. What were you no, saying? No, I, I was. I was going to say for like for someone who's seen this before, or like a group of people have seen this, it's like here comes the hand, here comes the hand. Like, yeah. like I could see this being kind of like a fun watch in the vein of like, like uh, what is it with the room and other things where yeah, it's like, like a these, riff these, tracks. Correct. Mr. Yeah. Science where there's just weird. Just, this movie's so bizarre and zany that like I can see people being sort of like semi obsessed with the little details, like the hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. 
you know, the bread and the the, the, the breakfast and just all the other shit. Yeah, like yeah, when Nick Cage is throwing down bread, he's like, I bake this bread. And everyone starts throwing Throwing bread, bread at the screen, yeah. <laughs> he takes the glove off the hand and people start clapping wood together. Like <laughs> That's what I mean. There's a lot of opportunities for it. It could have to be like a cult movie like yeah. that. Yeah. But... Chrissy, bring me the big knife. Yeah. I'll do it. Like, <laughs> right. all of that is... Campy. I love Correct. that man, and I, um, he never knows because I didn't tell him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we never see her again, and that's fine because it's yeah. not—it's not like a plot-driven movie. No. It's just you're meeting. It's little vignettes, yeah. and you happen to have the same six people in most of the vignettes. But it's just like a like I just trying to be like a rom com. Like I don't think it's nearly successful as any of the other movies that came out from like the eighties and nineties or whatever. Like these other rom coms. I think this live successfully as a zany sort of off the wall movie yeah. and not a rom-com. Yeah. yeah I, I, get that vibe. I was having trouble talking about it, knowing that you guys knew nothing about it. And rom-com is sort of the only genre I could pull. Be like, this is closest, but it's a, it's a movie about love, but it's not like a romantic comedy. I think in the traditional sense. No. Cause again, I, I do not buy the relationship at all. Like I don't get it. They're just like, let me tell you your life. You're a wolf. All right, we're fucking now. Like, and then it's, all right, we're going to the opera. We're going to fuck some more. And then it's, will you marry me? And it's like, what the fuck just happened? Well, he's Listen, gone like a week. You told your mom you weren't going to overthink it. I know. <laughs> I can't help it. A lot of zany shit happened. That was before oh, yeah. I knew about the zany shit. <laughs> your mother likes this movie? No, I don't know. But oh, okay. After, when, we, when I told her I watched Sleepless in Seattle, and then I was like, Meg Ryan is a creepy stalker who, like, watches a man play with his child on the beach. Right. And then follows him around the country to try to fall in love with him, all while cheating on her, emotionally cheating on her fiancé. I don't like it. She's like, it's cute. You're not supposed to think about it like that. I'm like, I can't help it. She's a psychopath. (laughs) It's like, no, it's just about love. And I'm like, I get that. But it's creepy. It's a creepy kind of love. That if the roles were reversed and the genders were reversed, nobody would have liked that movie. (laughs) So, but I can't help it here. It's too zany. Yeah. It's too it's too quick. It's too abrupt. It's just... When they first hook up, there's no chemistry before that. There's no tension. There's no inkling that anything is going to happen. And in fact, she seems scared when he throws the table. And then it's just like, wait a minute. And I start making out. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? That dude was just a fucking maniac downstairs that you would should want no part of. Oh, in the bread room? Yeah. Yeah. Because his flip out <laughs> the in the bread, bread room. room. The bread room. There's a lot of bread in there. Bread and bricks. Yeah. I mean, granted, I want to move there. I want to live right. above the bread place. But, yeah, and his whole, like, their feud backstory, I, I wanted to be like, what the fuck? What? He made you look away and cut your head? No, he didn't. This is a weird subterfuge yeah. of my brother and I aren't talking and you gotta you got to set things right for us. Wait. <laughs> Did you guys, you probably didn't notice, when they're at the airport and he tells her, I need you to go, like, fix things with my brother, Danny makes a, a strong hand motion and then looks at his hand and goes, huh, oh, like, oh, no. and, like, pulls it <laughs> no, away. No. I, like, don't watch it, but just go to that scene and watch him do Got it. it. It's yeah. so funny. See, and it's stuff like that where I guess, yeah, on rewatch, you, you, you pick see, up on... Like, Little like, oh, character notes. He's basically telling you about that. He's tipping his hand. There. He's tipping yeah. the hand. Yeah. But yeah, the whole flip out was weird. I don't know why she didn't just like 
walk away and be like, I'll try this guy later. He's clearly having a bad day. His, his hand must be itching him or whatever. <laughs> Not getting enough blood flow. <laughs> and every time it comes right, he's sitting at breakfast at the end and he's got that like falconer's glove on. It's just like. Right. Subtlety guy. Yes. Ridiculous. This is a man who loves the opera though. Yeah. There's he nothing does. subtle. Shockingly, because like he seems like he just cleaned up for the date. I would imagine he's usually just disheveled going to the Met. <laughs> Looking like a homeless person trying to get into the Met. Well, he did say it's been a long time. I assume it's been five oh, to seven years. Oh, he did say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I assume he hasn't been there since the girl walked out on him. Which, like, that girl sucks, man. Just because your fiancé gets a little dismembered doesn't mean you got to run out. Like, right. You suck, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did feel bad for him about that. But then his whole, like, edgy persona about it of, like, this angsty like woe is me type guy i was like eh, i don't i don't vibe with this <laughs> yeah no he's the the strangest choice in the movie and Cher apparently really pushed for him to be cast like she basically said i won't do the movie unless it's nicholas cage interesting they wanted to cast peter gallagher instead i mean he definitely wouldn't have been nearly as manic and like off the wall mm-hmm it would have been a much more down-to-earth movie, I think. And I probably would have bought the relationship a bit more. But it would have been a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way that that script... Yeah. It might be a movie Peter that... Peter has got, got... The, he's got the hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does have the hair. He's got he, the wolf hair. He's ready, he's ready to jump in. And I wonder if that would make it a movie that you guys would like more, but I know that I would like less. Oh, Peter Gallagher was... If it casting. was like Peter Gallagher and it was a much more straightforward, romantic lead... Yeah, but I but I don't think it would have been because you would have had to completely revamp the script because Peter Gallagher's not pulling off the zany, crazy... <laughs> I lost my hand! Yeah, I don't think yeah. Peter Gallagher sells the hand the same way. So, like, in that instance, spot-on casting. I don't think anybody else could have pulled that off, but it's a choice. Yeah. And to their credit, they stuck <laughs> to their guns. a choice. A hundred percent. So, yeah, I don't know that that would have been any better. I think it probably would have been, I think it would have been worse because it would have been someone who can't handle necessarily. I'm not yeah. saying that he can't do it, but I don't think of Peter Gallagher as being able to pull that type of character off in the same way that Nicolas Cage can. And then it would have felt infinitely less like authentic almost <laughs> and therefore worse off as a result. Yeah. You can at least buy Nicolas Cage as a psychopath. Oh, yeah. I mean, he works for what the movie wants to do, which is portray this as some crazy, you know, hurt person. Uh, but I, I wasn't compelled by it just because that was the choice they made and executed it to perfection. Fair enough. It feels like I dreamt this movie. <laughs> is it like Death to Smoochie a little bit? I get that same sort of feeling. Like, I tapped into, like another like dimension that this movie exists in and the one that i was currently preoccupied in this movie never existed (laughs) (laughs) it's wild yeah i don't know i think you're more disturbed at just like the fact that it's not a cult classic i'm very disturbed i'm disturbed by that yeah i am because i i see that movie being successful in that space like being a cult movie being like it's again, it's a rom com, but you won't believe like the type of rom com it is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just like it should live in dorm room 
like film kid dorm rooms of like, dude, you guys got to see this thing. They actually made it for real and they took it 100% Correct, serious. Yeah. yeah. But like, look at Nicolas Cage's hand. What a weirdo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And an Oscar winner. Well, well, Multi-time Academy Award winner. Well acclaimed. Yeah. That is Ebert so... raved about it. All the thumbs were up. Wait, can you go to Rotten Tomatoes? What are some of the negative reviews of this movie? I mean, I don't want to take the, the words out of Johnny's mouth here. <laughs> <laughs> There's only four. This is Ben Yagoda, Philadelphia Daily News. Uh, no resistance could overcome the overfamiliarity of the situations in Moonstruck, the corniness of its dramaturgy, or the banality of its message. One out of four. It's been so much, this is uh, Pete Croedo, filmcritic.com. Spend so much time reminding us what a quaint and cute little movie we're watching that our interest isn't required. Oh, that's a... I kind of feel that. That's a... I can't... I love this movie, but... Yeah. Like, does it even want me to watch it? That's how I kind of felt. Yeah. (laughs) It's like it's actively trying to make me pick up my phone. Um, The next one just says two out of five. It doesn't have a, a blurb. And the only top critic rotten score, uh, Janet Maslin, New York Times. The title refers to one relative's theory that the full moon can make people wildly romantic, make them behave in a wonderful, unpredictable, crazy ways. Not crazy enough. Janet! Mm, all right. Yes, those are all of the uh, the negative rotten tomatoes. Yeah, no, I thought... Felt... Our three tomatoes. Yeah. Our three tomatoes. Yeah, it does kind of all just happen in spite of itself. Like, it's just kind of going there. And like you said, it's not plot driven. So there's no story that you're following along with. And everything kind of feels disjointed. And I know they try to bring it together. But it still feels like we're watching a dad cheating and a daughter cheating. And a wife who's just fed up with both of them to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And you'd think if I told you that pitch that those would intertwine more than they do. Right. And it's just kind of like, nope. Uh, just do just do your own thing. And like the grandpa seeing Olympia Dukakis walking with Fraser's dad does not come up again. She's like, he's got the wrong idea about us. Doesn't come up. Nobody seems to care after that. I mean, he's wrong. She was just... I mean, he's crying saying I'm confused at the end. Yeah. yeah. Which I am too, but... But that's yeah. about the... The closest it gets to any sort of, like... Yeah. Well, no, because I think he's confused, like, I didn't realize... What are you... Why are you confronting my son? I'm so confused. Like, I am just confused. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he's confused about that. He's confused about, about the ending of one proposal and the making of a new proposal using the same man's pinky ring. But yeah, like, again, that's another, like, almost plot thread that just doesn't need to exist because why have that tension when we know she's going to do the right thing or because she does the right thing like at no point in there like about to meet where you see them like definitely coming down the same street was i worried for her at all because i'm like no this woman knows exactly what she's doing she's not she doesn't care about this dude like she's just being nice and making a man who got water thrown in his face not have a terrible evening and she's someone to talk to so she's not having a terrible evening like it's a win-win yeah but i don't for a second buy that she's thinking about stepping out or wanting to cheat she seemed completely steadfast in her convictions the whole time so it just was like another weird vignette i'm like okay was it just so that way he can go okay dogs we're moving again (laughs) we needed more time with the dogs yeah i'm fine with that 
Except for that one dog who slammed into the stairs. Oh. <laughs> felt bad for him. I'm having a real hard day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it, it, it meanders, but, like, not, like, in a way that, like, like Richard Linklater or, like, a, like, PTA have done in better cases where it's, like, I understand what I'm watching. Here, like, you keep thinking the plot is going to happen, but, like, in those movies, you kind of get the vibe right off the bat that, like, we're just hanging out with these characters for a movie. And yeah, for just like a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, because I think in a movie with more plot and probably more tropey rom coms, which like the next one, can we have a tropey one? Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> can we have a regular tropey a to one? B to C. Yeah, uh, I think I might like that more because it just it'll feel more comfortable. <laughs> um, but like in a movie like that, her constant shares constant referencing to bad luck would have resulted in a big speech of someone being like, it's not bad luck, it's bad choices, you're doing this to yourself. And at no point is there any self-reflection in this movie. It's yeah. all just like, hey, you're doing a bad thing. I know we're both doing a bad thing. We should stop. Nah, we're not going to stop because I'm cold and you have a bed that we can fuck in. So like... Well, because the movie posits the worst thing you can do is, you know, not like recognize when you have true love. So even though Loretta is unfaithful... It would be more wrong for her in the morality of Moonstruck to marry Johnny and walk out on this great love. In the same way that her father is wrong, not just because of his infidelity, but because he's turning his back on the woman that really loves him, that he has a true love for. And I would buy that more if I bought their love story at all. And I don't, like, I don't buy Cher and Nick Cage's love story at all. I don't think they have any chemistry in this movie. It doesn't seem like they have romantic love. It seems like it's just a cardinal wolf-like sexy times. And that's kind of it. So, like, I don't even think... When she says that she loves him at the end and the mom's like, Oh, boy, that's trouble. Like, I don't don't buy it. And so that's a weird thing. Because I get that vibe from it. That is That is what it's saying is that, like... True love is the most important thing, and if you pass that up, like, you might as well just kill a man in cold blood in the middle of the street. Like, it's a horrible sin to give up on true love. But I don't get the vibe that they're true love. Like, none of their relationship seems loving at all. Yeah. Yeah, I figured it'd be more successful, like a Florence Nightingale effect, where he's just sort of depressed with everything that's going on and not zany and she'd, like, warm up to him and feel bad for him. But the fact that he's sort of, like, bouncing off the wall, it's like, what's attractive about this guy? This yeah. guy's a fucking lunatic. He's a, he's, a, he's a crazy person. Which, I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that women and men alike don't go for the crazy lunatic. No, and you're, yeah. no you're right, but she doesn't seem like that type of person. At no, least. she seems more grounded. More, tr- and again, the traditional stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. I think if this movie had stuck to just their through line, and maybe... They still run into the dad having an affair at the opera, but we don't know about it before then. And you give them more time to develop a relationship, like Johnny said, where she's just trying to help him get over his his past. He's trying to get over the injury, get over the woman that walked out on him, get over the gripe with his brother. Like If they had spent a half an hour, 45 minutes of her kind of working him over and seeing that, like, oh, there is more to him underneath. He's not just a crazy yeah you can be happy again you can revisit those things like the met and other things to sort of yeah and if her explaining that to him brings her out of her own shell of her own past trauma i would buy that relationship a thousand times more Mm -hmm. 
and the movie would be much better for it. But as it stands, it's just like a quick, you're a wolf. We're fucking. I'm a wolf. We're fucking. (laughs) I think part of why I do like this movie is, you know, we're, we're at like complete odds about this of, I appreciate it's kind of sparse. Like there's no point where you're like, Nicholas Cage is a nice guy. And like, there's a, there's like, it doesn't matter. As soon as they have that confrontation in the bakery, it's on like Donkey Kong. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, Oh no, this is something superstitious and supernatural. And there's no explaining it. You can see it. The, every interaction they're having up until they go to the bed is, (laughs) is conflict. And I, I like that. It's refreshing in yeah. some ways. Yeah. And I think I think ultimately my problem with that is, is that the movie then wants to tell me it's a true love thing, not just a weird supernatural attraction thing. Like, I don't buy it as love. I buy it as the moon making people crazy and sexual and loving, you know, in yeah. the... The bedroom way. Mm-hmm. Um, not <laughs> the in the bedroom way. <laughs> not... not not like a man and wife happily ever after kind of love. Mm-hmm. It's a different type that they're trying to spin. And that's fine. It like I'll buy that part of it all day. Yeah. But then to come back around and be like, no, nah, it's love. I love him, ma. Like, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. I think it's more of a kind of cosmic, like two meteors crashing into one another and being like, I cannot... Now my whole life is, I am fundamentally not myself any longer. Like he says, when they wake up in the morning, you've ruined my life. Mm -hmm. Even though his life was really shitty beforehand. Like I cannot go back now and bake bread, bread, bread. Because now I've had this experience. So Mm. what are we going to do about this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they sort of painted her character into a corner though in the beginning with the fact that how she already treats relationships and like accepting a proposal just like that. And this sort of nonchalant, like she doesn't seem interested in a relationship at all, like throughout most of the movie to mm-hmm. me. So if you get rid of that that beginning part, the, the the proposal, and you just start with her sort of, you could without saying it say, oh, she hasn't been dating in a while. You could probably tell because her hair is grayed out. She doesn't really care how she looks. Kind of in the same way as like uh, my big fat Greek wedding. You have this girl who just like physically she doesn't she doesn't give a shit anymore. And then she gets the makeover and feels better about herself and wants to find love because she feels better about herself. She feels like she can deserve it. But uh, I think the fact that we do sort of get that setup of her, like, oh, look, she doesn't really give a shit about love or looking for anything. Mm-hmm. And then she just gets, like, struck by some cosmic lightning bolt that this guy is, like, <laughs> the hunk of her dreams is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the proposal, though. Like, you gotta get down on one knee. What? Is that gonna ruin my suit? I know, I bought this suit for you. It came with two pairs of pants. Get down yeah. on one knee. That's right. the thing, like, I like the banter. I like a lot of the banter in the conversation. It just, it's in a weird frame. Uh, I love I love Bobo at oh, the Bo- Ita- Italian restaurant. Are you glad you got to see Bobo twice? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's great. He's just waddling around, carrying stuff. Like, Johnny, Johnny's going to propose. How do you know that? Because he set it up with me. When he waves, I'm going to bring the champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, take the dessert away. Yeah, Roll take the, the dessert cart. Cart. <laughs> cart. Yeah, he comes back around. Yeah, and he was great. The, you know, the opening sequence was great once I realized that Johnny was the man she was with. Because when, when Bobo came over, he's like, oh, Mr. Johnny's going to propose. I was like, oh, I wonder who that guy is. 
But I had no idea that he was connected to Cher. Anyway. But yeah, Bobo was great. I did, I mean, I did laugh at a couple of things. I did laugh at the line when Frazier's dad gets the first glass of water in his face. And Joey's just sitting there giggling. He goes, a man who can't control his woman is funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my, I think, second to Olympia Dukakis is Johnny's character. Just I love seeing, like, it just makes me laugh. The call he makes from Palermo. Oh, it's, it's good stuff, It's yeah. so... <laughs> My mother is at death's door. And she's yeah, just, yeah. like, on the other side, like, all right. Yeah. It's just delightful. Nuns, nuns praying for him. Right. I love the uh, the confession scene where she's like, I took the Lord's name in vain twice. I slept, slept with my fiancé's brother once. And I, like, did something else I, twice. I wrote a bad check. Oh, yeah, it was I, I bounced a check at the liquor store once, and it was an accident I didn't mean it. He's like, well, then that's not a sin. But what was that other thing you said about <laughs> what? Yeah. I slipped right with in, the yeah. brother of my fiancé. Yeah. She didn't do her rosaries either. I watched. She did not do two full rosaries. Yeah. Yeah. She, she went and gossiped with her mom and then hit yeah. the bricks. And then bounced. Well, her mom's just there to pray. Probably doing confession, too. Yeah. See, the funny stuff for me was, like, the Santa hat on the horse. Carol <laughs> <laughs> was getting run over yeah. by the horse. And the little xylophone at the Met. <laughs> oh, people that time. <laughs> like, that's funny, dude. That's funny stuff. When a man plays a xylophone in intermission, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> that's how they let people know. Yeah. They didn't have a PA system at the Met back then. It's great. I didn't think it was You should weird. bring that back in Springfield. Oh, yeah, I will. Yeah, I should. Just wear, wear a little cape with your Ding tuxedo. <laughs> Return to your seats. Yeah. Second period started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for a hockey game. <laughs> Get my ass kicked. Yeah. They're like, hey, that guy's wearing a cape. Let's beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love the dad's reaction to her proposal. Like, you getting married? Again? Didn't you do that already? Yeah. It doesn't work out for you. Yeah. He died. What did I tell you? Your mother and I have been married 50 years. Nothing bad ever happened. Nobody died. (laughs) (laughs) It's not meant for you. Yeah. Yeah, and the whole, like, is he going to pay for the wedding? What was the old man at the funeral, like, the gathering of old Italian guys at the the cemetery? What was that? What was that scene? I feel like we could call Brian, though. He'd be like, yeah, that's a... That's a thing. That's the a old, thing. old Italian guys just meet up in cemeteries yeah. and or just discuss life. Old yeah. men meeting together at whether it's a cemetery or a diner, that is a very I'll stand by that's a realistic thing and an otherwise very unrealistic. Yeah. If it was a diner and they were like going and meeting for whatever, but like he's got six dogs taking a shit on a freshly <laughs> freshly covered grave. And I, lo- I love when he walks in because the sign on the gate says no, no dogs dog allowed. And he just fucking it. kicks it yeah, in, yeah. Uh, with the heel of his shoe. Yeah. Like, that was great. Anjamo. Uh, yeah. Good. But the, the, like, the meeting at the cemetery, we're like, I'm so distressed. See, my own son, he doesn't want to pay for the wedding. And like, he got to pay for the wedding. They're like, that's right. He's going to pay for the wedding. What is a subplot about paying for the wedding? I don't understand it. Clearly keeping the old yeah. man up right, at night. Right. You will break your house with pride. Yeah. A great line. <laughs> but I don't understand why that plot thread is here. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Just more flavor. Just more, yeah, more dog time. Like early on, like the floor shop or whatever, the guy was rabbing roses or whatever, and he was talking. I'm like, 
is he like making fun of like the Godfather right now? The way he's talking, I'm like, oh no, they're gonna talk like this like the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just saw Grandfather Part Two. Yeah, Grandfather Part Two. <laughs> yeah, really excited about it. Danny Aiello was in Grandfather Part Two. Yeah, that's true. He has the funniest opinion of this movie. He is not a fan of the way this movie ends. And he adamantly, (laughs) but he adamantly believes no woman in her right mind would pick Ronnie over Johnny. Like I'm clearly the best choice. Mm. Like it does not make any sense. Like I don't agree with him there. I I can see why she picked him. I guess, but they're both emotional messes. Yeah. Yeah, like he, but he could not. He like basically hates the movie. He's like. They made me look like a clown. I was made to look like a fool. Like, he took it very personally. I mean... But I, I'm, it's ironic because I think he's so good in it. <laughs> yeah. No, he definitely looks like a fool. I get that part of it. Yeah. I just want to read this quote. I said, do you think Nikki Cage is going to get a woman what I have? I said, that's not going to happen. Cher would be with me from the beginning. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Does he think this is a biopic or like I don't a, know. a documentary? It's like it's the the level of misunderstanding is up there with like Mark Wahlberg saying if he had been on the plane, nine eleven wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have gone down <laughs> like that. Like say, I'm like, where where do you get the what? stones? Yeah, really. What universe are you living in? I think the same one you were living in. Where this movie was a cult Correct, yeah. (laughs) That movie lives in that universe. Yeah, Yeah, I don't understand what he thinks his character is bringing to the table here, because it's not really anything. He doesn't seem like he's got, like, an amazing job. Like, we don't know anything about him, so it's hard to... Yeah, he doesn't get a lot of time besides he's very worried about his mother, he wants to fix the relationship with his brother, and he has not thought far enough to get her a ring or get down on one knee. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like. I was kind of in the same vein I was with Bill Pullman in Sleepless in Seattle for most of the movie. I was like, that guy doesn't deserve this. He just wanted to. He wanted to propose before he saw his mother one last time, so he could tell his mother he's engaged. Like he's just. It's a spur of the moment thing. I understand not having the ring. They're not getting down on one knees. Mm, come on, dude, you could do better. I, how do you not know this about proposals at this yeah. point? Like this isn't olden times. People are probably doing it. You've probably seen a movie from the 50s or 60s or 70s that, that had this going on. So, like, I was like, oh, okay, he's kind of aloof, but he's, he's a nice guy. He's, he's harmless kind of thing. And then when he comes back and he's like, I, I can't marry you because my mother will die. I'm like, oh, well, fuck everybody. In this <laughs> just get the fuck out of here. Just, can we just have 90 more minutes of Olympia Dukakis just taking no guff from anybody? <laughs> just becoming a cop, a beat cop. Yeah, that's what I want streets. now. Because, like, you're a... You're an idiot. <laughs> and then when she's like, but I have the ring. It was a promise. He's like, oh, I'm going to need the ring back. Like, dude, you're a doofus. <laughs> I love this ring. Yeah. Yeah, him not wanting to give it up at the beginning was funny. But, yeah. I, like, I, I felt bad for him through most of it. And then by the end, he just completely undid that because he was made to look like a buffoon. Mm-hmm. At least Bill Pullman had dignity. This guy had no dignity. Yeah. Bill Pullman has a lot of dignity. Yeah. And then he just gives the ring back to his brother that he hasn't talked to in five years. Like, that makes no sense. It's senseless. It's ridiculous. It's one of my faves. It's wild. It's a wild movie. Well, strike number two. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but at least Annette wasn't a, a long-time perfect favorite in your holy trinity of yeah. movies featuring birds. No, this, this, this was way better than Annette. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything you did like about it, Johnny? The food was mm. cool. Sure. I like I like movies that and again I they did do a good amount of effort to put you in that world mm-hmm. to people who are not who have not been in the circle of like an Italian family and Italian tradition. We even learned a few things with sugar cubes and shit like that. Oh yeah, I had to look that up by the time it came back around again because I've never seen people put sugar cubes in champagne before. Yeah, that was bizarre. Um, it keeps the bubbles going apparently. It's an old Italian out. tradition to make sure the devil's not there for your toast. I think is what we read. Uh, and it just makes life sweeter all around. So. Right, right. No, I like that. I, I, I find just the Italian uh, tradi- traditions and heritage and community to be like it, funny to me because it's just it, they're so about themselves and their traditions and the way they talk and the way they eat and do things. It's like half the reason why like I adore The Sopranos because it just dumped you into that world yeah. week after week. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know shot and location. <laughs> Actually, no, we shot in Toronto, I think, a little That's bit. That's right, yeah. Um, I don't know, it's 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 innocent, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's yeah. not, like, pandering, it doesn't, like, tell me, like, you have to think this is funny, you know what I mean? Yeah. I it just There's plenty of stuff in the movie that I thought was funny, like I said, like the xylophone and the Santa hat and yes. some of that other stuff. I mean, we definitely, we definitely <laughs> laughed. There was... <laughs> there was some chuckles, there was some hearty laughs. Yeah, yeah, there was some, there was some laughs. Yeah. Um, and Nicolas Cage is just, it's, when he showed up, I laughed, and some of the lines were like, that is so Nicolas Cage, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, no one else could have said it the way he said it, um, and it's almost like he suggested to say it that way. Yeah. Your reaction when the credits came up, and it was like, share, and you're like, okay, and it's like, Nicolas Cage, you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really bizarre, uh. When I read it, it was bizarre, and then it ended up being bizarre. So, um, but again, I could I could see why Bridget likes this movie. Mm-hmm. I can see why some people would like this movie. Um, I don't see why people would be like, "This is like the rom com of the decade." Like, I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that discussion. I don't understand the universal acclaim for it. I figured it to be more of a middle of the road or like a lighthearted zany rom com. But here it's like Oscar, Oscar caliber, mm-hmm. earth shattering rom com. writes rewrites the book on a rom com. Yeah, I think going in knowing that it was. See, I went in knowing it was more popular because oh, it's okay. something I've heard a lot in, and it's on lists and all these different things. But I didn't, I didn't get out of it what I thought I would get going in because I thought it would be more straightforward, not necessarily tropey or formulaic, but. Mm-hmm less zany and bonkers and off the wall and ridiculous. I thought it would be more just like tamer, I guess. So that did a disservice, at least to me. Um, but ultimately, like you said, it's, it's inoffensive. Like it's not, I'm not angry at the movie. Yeah. I'm not angry at it. No, I'm not. I'm not angry that we watched the movie. Yeah. I, it's mad at me. No, no. absolutely not. <laughs> Maybe on a rewatch, which I will never personally undertake. But if someone was like, no, no, it's, let's, you know, put it on or whatever. Maybe then I'll get more out of it, like you said. Because I'll notice things like the hand, the stiff hand gesture or some of the other things that take place that are a little bit more like, eh, 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 when you know, you know. Um, but, yeah, I just, it didn't click for me. And Nicolas Cage 
undoes any, you know, getting on the, the same tracks as I could have possibly had at the beginning. Yeah. The second he showed up, I went, oh, oh no, this is going to be hard. This is going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, the bread looks good. Oh, yeah. The bread, the bread looks look great. Good. The food looks great. I do like the world building as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never turned down a chance to see a nun I eat a meatball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They shot in the bakery. Like, that was a, that's a real, or was a real bakery in New York. And they requested to film in there. And the owner said, okay, but I can't shut down my business. So they, they were just literally baking bread at that. The business was just running. So everything yeah. you're seeing happening was the running of that bakery. Yeah. yeah. No, it was in cool scenes. I... Hand waving. The girl confessing her love and then her friend, like, going to pet her to be like, it's okay, and then completely just not touching her. Oh, that was great. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah, all that world building stuff is is cool. It's just inhabited by kooks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Any final thoughts from you, Bridget? No. I knew pretty quickly. I'm like, they're not on the wavelength. That's okay. <laughs> I love this movie. Now I get to just watch it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just really like, all right, here we are. Yeah, you don't have to worry because you could tell that it's. They're like, it's not working. It's only an hour forty. Yeah. Anyways. And that that does that is going for it as well. Mm-hmm. That... Yeah, the wrong time because then that was like two and a half hours. That, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, if this had been another half an hour, I don't know that I would have no. been able to to hold the focus. Like we had a a technical glitch in the middle of it where the Wi Fi dropped for a second, and when I came back and I saw we only had like twenty five minutes, I was like, oh thank god. Yeah. Right. This this could have been. I saw you click back to be like, I just want to confirm. Yeah. How how long? I need to know. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But it's like weirdly enough, and again, I don't want I want to wrap this up, but like when that dinner scene started happening, like we only have like ten minutes left. Like, is this movie supposed to like like wrap up in some sort of way, and it just kind of ends? Yeah. It's super abrupt. I don't know that I necessarily wanted it to extend anymore, but just the way it's just like. No, I'm not going to marry you. And I kind of had a feeling that's what he wanted to talk about. But I thought maybe it was a, oh, there was a woman that was there. We met on the plane on the way over. Like, we hit it off. I'm sorry. Like, something like he found a great love. And that, you know, would be fine. But it just, the the reasoning was weird. And then the new proposal was then weird. It just uh, is too, too quick and too weird. <laughs> um. All right, well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. Remember, you can rate and review this show in-app on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so let us know what you think uh, of the show. Give us five stars if you like it. Tell a friend if you like it. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of Moonstruck. What are your favorite Cher and Nicolas Cage movies? And what are some of your favorite rom-coms? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening.